You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello, listeners. You're about to hear an episode that we recorded live at the Ruby in Los Angeles on the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show. And speaking of episodes recorded live at the Ruby in Los Angeles, we are doing another one on November 9th at 9.30 p.m. And we're covering Home Alone. And this is a show you don't want to miss because it's our last show at that location because the Ruby is moving to a different spot in L.A. But that location has been our home for live L.A. shows for over a year. So it's very special to us. And we want you to come hang out with us there one last time. Tickets and details are at BechdelCast.com. Click on the live tab and we'll see you there. Enjoy the episode. Hello! Thank you for coming to the live show. This is the Bechdel cast. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for coming. I see, I see some t-shirts in the crowd. Ooh. Okay. I, wait, I need to get, I have too many items. Yes. You, all, you situate, have, I'll talk. Uh, please. Hello. Um, I'm dressed as Brad. <laughs> Brad Majors from tonight's film. I'm dressed as, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, it's Halloween. We're black. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then I didn't have time to go to CVS to get fishnets. But if I had, you would have been like, oh, I get it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so just imagine I had run that errand I was supposed to yeah. run. Yeah. I mean, you've got lipstick on. I think that's great. That's more effort than I would normally demonstrate at this event. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But I love your Brad fit. It's incredible. Thank you. The jacket, the Brad fit. The, the Brad fit, yeah. <laughs> the jacket isn't quite right, and I apologize for that. But Don't apologize. Thank you. That's, That's right. Point, Women right? apologize too much, and yeah. we're putting Women an should, end to I, that. I've been saying it for years. Women need to stop apologizing for their Brad cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. You're doing great. Thank you. Anyway, my name's Caitlin Durante. My name's Jamie Loftus. And we, thank you. Thank you for coming. 
We are the Bechtel cast. We yes. talk about the representation of women in film and how it's usually pretty abysmal. Mm -hmm. We use the Bechtel test as a jumping off point, and that uh, is a media metric, also sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test, uh, that requires that two female identifying characters uh -huh. uh, with names talk to each other about something other than a man. Does it normally happen in movies? Three, two, one, no! Oh, we've got a doozy tonight. <laughs> you know, there is a real, like, shaky hand, hard to say, because I think the things that, I mean, and spoiler alert, if, to, if anyone is a new listener on this episode, uh, this show has very little to do with the actual Bechtel test. Mm -hmm. But in terms of determining it for this movie, it's very hard. Yeah. Because there's, mul there's, I think, three or four layers into determining and then there's also like a consent question that has nothing to do with gender that you're just like, they're watching. So I, it's unclear. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is a wild one. We're it excited. Is. It is. We're very excited. And we've been getting this request forever. Yeah. Um, and tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. We've done it. Uh, by round of applause, who has seen the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show? Wow. All right. I think is you've that done us? your homework. All right. Looking carefully, uh, has anyone not seen it? Clap. Clap. <gasps> Ooh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we are not going to do what Rocky Horror does, which is humiliate you if you've never seen the movie. <laughs> it's fine. Not everyone can see every movie. Isn't that a fun community aspect where if you haven't done what everyone else has done, you're absolutely humiliated? <laughs> Uh, in front of strangers, mm -hmm. I think that's a very chill entry point to a community. Definitely. I think that's great. And no. I think it's brave of you to, to show up to an event about a movie you have not seen. Yes. Good yes. enough. Yes. <laughs> we love that. Okay. Uh, so we are talking about Rocky Horror Picture Show tonight. And uh, we, we have a guest with us. We certainly do. She's a returning guest to the show. We love her. Yes, you might remember her from our Scream episode. Mm -hmm. She is a comedian and a writer for Nerdist and Thundercats Roar on Cartoon Network. Mm -hmm. It's Joan Ford. Joan Ford. Hi. Hello. Hi. I've always um, wanted to be a Halloween tradition, and now I am one. <gasps> Yay! Yes. Yes, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Of course. So also, I mean, I since we're commenting on fits, an incredible yes. themed Halloween yes. fit. Yes, I feel like Carl yeah. I've decided I'm like I'm I'm backstage. I decided I'm like Halloween Janet. I feel like this is what Janet. <laughs> she wouldn't get a full costume, but she'd wear like a cute dress with like skeletons on yeah. it. Yeah, she'd be like I know what day. Yeah, it is. I know what day it is. <laughs> I'm getting to the spirit of it. <laughs> so Joan, Janet. what's your history relationship with this? iconic oh, film. Okay. I was growing up, like, I was, like, in my, like, early, like, 10, 11 years. Um, you know, the early. The, the, the early. The 10s and 11s, <laughs> whatever you call those. The early ones. When, like, I think it was this was just hitting its 20th anniversary. Mm. I remember, like, Fox was, like, playing it. It was, like, Fox was making, like, a big deal out of, like, after Herman's Head, it's time for we're the first network broadcast of, of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <gasps> and, like, I did not know what this thing was. Like, I had kind of heard inklings of it like I as a as a like cult movie but I didn't really know what it was and I remember seeing it for the first time like on that broadcast and 
being kind of like transfixed by it, but not quite knowing why. Like I remember going back to my like Catholic grade school the next day and telling everyone about like, and there's this, he's like a transvestite. And I didn't know quite what I was saying, but <laughs> it got me in trouble. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I was just like, this is so, I was like, I was like, this is very cool. Like I thought this, I had discovered a cool thing, which I had, but not many people, everyone agreed. But I was like, this is cool. Like he's a transvestite. It's a cool thing. Right. And everyone's like, and, uh, and yeah, so that was like my first memory of it. And then it kind of like, it's a thing that, I mean, you know, I was a, uh, closeted queer white theater kid in suburban America, so it kept creeping up in my life. I remember once, like, I got home from, like, a, a thing, and my dad was like, hey, like, I taped a Rocky Horror Picture show for you off of Comedy Central, and, like, by that time, I, like, internalized that it wasn't something I was supposed to like, so I was like, I don't like that thing. I don't want to watch that thing. Why did you tape that for me? And I think that's when my dad, like, stopped being like, well, no longer am I going to, like, try to involve myself in their queer identity. That's it. I'm giving up. I turned them off to it. And one strike and he's It was out. one strike, yes. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I went to the shadow cast in, like, high school and then in college and again when I moved out here. So it's just a thing that's been, like, an uh, ever-present thing in my life, like, from a very early age. The 10s and the 11s. Yes, the 10s and 11s, yes. yes. A lot of love them. Uh, Jamie, how about you? Uh, I got into Rocky Horror, I think, around high school. I know the first time I went, I was like, it was my freshman year in high school. My mom was very into Rocky Horror. Um, the there, everyone's laughing because maybe some people have already seen the pic, but she <laughs> tweeted at the Bechdel cast account of her at age seventeen wearing really not many clothes. That was uh, her. That was my mom. I thought my, that was you. Maybe. No, no, oh. no. I the, the pictures of me are far less cool than <laughs> the ones that were tweeted. I'm wearing far more clothes. No, there. My mom like in because you know, like, I, I grew up in like a suburban area as well where uh, queer community was kind of scant to be found. Mm -hmm. And uh, my my mom, when she was younger, uh, like loved going, she went every single month. She was a stan, she was there. She knew it all. She loved wearing leotards in public. She just was there. So she was like really encouraging me to go when I was a young teen. And I went, I went with my cousin. I think we went maybe like once a year when I was in high school to the West Bridgewater showing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if all my West Bridgewater heads listen to this, it's a very small theater, but a lot of enthusiasm. And then I think I went like once or twice more in college and then when I lived here, but I've, I've been like, I wanna say like five or six times. Okay, very yeah. good. Uh, what about you, Caitlin? I've never been to a live screening. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen this movie probably only a handful of times. Uh, I saw it for the first time in college when I was getting one of two film degrees that I would eventually have. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I, I like thought it was like, cool and campy and subversive, but uh, you you may know this about me. I'm not a huge fan of musicals, although this is one that I tolerate quite a bit more than, than others. 
But for me, it comes down to story <laughs> and the story of the, because again, I do have a master's degree <laughs> in screenwriting from Boston University that I <laughs> simply it's, hate to mention. It's not what one would call <laughs> cohesive. Yeah, no. not, a, not a classic three-act structure. No. <laughs> I think that there's, because all three of us have watched it multiple times in mm -hmm. preparation for this. And w between the three of us, we really tried to place together like, oh, I think that they maybe thought they were foreshadowing there. Yeah. 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 Like, wh when do we find out these characters are aliens? Um, it's a, this was the first time I watched it and, and completely realized Brad and Janet have absolutely no bearing on the actual, like, plot of the film. No. They could be erased from the story mm -hmm. and the film every the film would end the exact same way it ended <laughs> right yes if they had never arrived yes if they had never arrived so them even like them arriving as an inciting incident if we're talking your degree yes. thank you so much makes yes. it doesn't incite it seems no, to incite what was going to happen anyway yes yes, <laughs> yes. it incites nothing like the party was going to happen uh, the brutal murder of famous rock star Meatloaf was, was go yes, yes. <laughs> going to happen yes, independently of them. They're not even in that yeah, scene. They are, they are audience surrogates in the most literal way in that they are just audience members <laughs> who I get to have sex with the, with the main character at one point. Yes, it's <laughs> the best audience surrogate. I, I like to think that Brad and Janet inspire Riff Raff and Magenta to rise up against their bourgeois oppressor and take over at right. the end. <laughs> well, here's my question. I was getting a lot of like Cersei and Jamie Lannister energy from them. Yes. yes. Because they keep being like, we're siblings, but we're kissing. And <laughs> you're like, let's not go here. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> But then at the end, they're like, no, we are still siblings who are fucking, but the twist is we're alien siblings who are fucking. <laughs> you're like, all right. <laughs> I guess that's a twist. I don't know who you who you guys are really. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, with that, should we get into the story? Yes. I mean, let's uh, try we, our let, best. We use that yeah. the words story and plot loosely for this movie, but the, here it is. Between um, the three of us, we'll we'll do our we'll best. We'll figure it out. Something together. Yeah. And truly, if anyone in the crowd has exposition, some little seedling that was planted that we totally missed. Yeah. Let us know. It's very yeah. possible. Maybe we're bad viewers. Yeah, you guys educate <laughs> us. We're blaming ourselves. Yes, yes. I, I know we just talked about it, but I apologize for I would like to also apologize. What I, what's about to happen. I'm already sorry for it. <laughs> I think this is going to go great. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. Thank you, Brad. So, you're welcome. So Janet, uh, which is uh, Susan Sarandon's character, and... Brad, played by Barry Bostwick. He was uh, on Spin City. Spin mm, City. Yeah. Brave. Yeah. I've never seen it, but. Did you say Brave? <laughs> Call him Brave? brave. Yes. Brave was brave to do Spin, Spin City. City. <laughs> yes. They are at their friend's wedding, and the two of them get engaged after the wedding yes. is right. over. It's unclear whether they want to get engaged. They definitely think they should get engaged. Right. Yes. Right. And then they sing a song about being engaged or One how... One of the best songs in the movie. I mean, damn it, Janet. Yes. Good stuff. This is when it's revealed that Susan Sarandon has a serviceable high school soprano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brad! <laughs> <laughs> They're not helping her. Like, it's just not her. It's clear that she's an alto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Then we cut to a scene where they are driving in the dark and stormy night to visit their friend, Dr. Everett Scott. Yes. The, as, a, as we all do right after we yes. get engaged. Yeah. First thing, the first people you tell after you get engaged, you're a high school science teacher. <laughs> not your well, parents. That's a fun thing to imagine. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, what if I just went to Mr. Grind's house? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they're traveling on what turns out to be a dead-end road. And then they get a flat tire, so they get out of the car and walk to this castle that they had passed a few miles back. And the light is on in the castle, so they figure they can go in and use their phone to call for help. And then a spooky-looking person <laughs> answers the door. The writer of the movie. Yes, writer yeah. Riff, uh, Riff Raff, played by Richard O'Brien. Right, Richard O'Brien, who comes back time and time again as a person who wants to be taken very seriously yes. as an actor. Yes. <laughs> yes. But he created Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Uh, and he plays Riff Raff. And he answers the door. And Janet and Brad uh, hear some commotion. And Riff Raff tells them about a social event that the master is hosting. Cue the iconic Time Warp song, which, which Joan mentioned last night. Everyone from their youth. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I mean, my sense memory of that scene is that there's literally like a hundred people at dance hall. And we watched it last night. And when there's like maybe 12, I was like, <laughs> why memory? Yes, memories are so false. Memories are, memories are lies. <laughs> There's 12 LA casting yes. people. Yeah, they're just like yeah. stumbling their way, way through, through. Like, what they've are they all doing? kind of learned the dances. They clearly got like yeah, they had a day for rehearsal. Yeah, and, yeah. They, they have close shots yeah. on like the the yeah. three or four who learned it, yeah. and then the rest they're just like oh, yeah, they're mo- yeah. You guys have you you just have fun, do something, just move to the music. And then it later becomes clear that there were days that they could afford for those same extras to come back and days where they clearly couldn't afford for them to come back. Not to jump ahead, but the floor show. Like, there's no audience for the floor show and it's like, you've written, like, people whose whole job in the movie is just to watch what's going on and they're not there for the, like, state... The the, big finale show. Yeah. Wasn't in the budget. No. (sighs) But the song does slap and that's what's important. It's still good. It does slap. (laughs) And yeah, so there's all these, like, suddenly there's a bunch of, like, kooky people and they're all singing and dancing and uh, among them are Magenta and Columbia. Uh, And then Janet is like, let's get out of here. It's weird and scary. And just then, Dr. Frankenfurter shows up. Tim Curry in yes. the role yes. of a lifetime. Yes, I want to take I want to take elocution lessons from him from this oh. movie. Like, just pronounce every word the way he does. Yeah. He said, oh. So I, I did some Tim Curry diving on this one, and Terry Gross. I mean, an icon in mm. her own right. Mm. Uh, Terry Gross, like she asked him, like you know, how did you develop this part? He's like, well, I was trying to figure out. Like, I guess that like Frankenfurter was American accented for a while. Cockney accented for a while, and then Tim Curry was like, "But what if Frankenfurter sounded like the Queen?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was that was why uh, why that character sounds that way. And it's terrific. It's a great choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Frankenfurter sings a song about, uh, and I feel weird using these words, but being a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. And that song also slaps. Yes. <laughs> it absolutely does. 
And the performance is incredible. Yeah. It oh, yeah. Is. And then Janet and Brad are invited upstairs and they're wet. Because the castle has an elevator. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the castle has an elevator. Their wet clothes are removed. So now they're just in their underwear for a little while. And Dr. Frankenfurter, who is... Does Janet ever get her clothes back? Um, I think they get robes. They get very maybe. silky, flowy robes. Janet definitely she gets her clothes back less so than Brad yes. does. Yes. That's true. Mm-hmm. She's in her underwear for, I would say, the majority of the yes, movie. Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, but Frankenfurter is a mad scientist, and he unveils his latest creation, which is a person named Rocky Horror. Get it? And Rocky's bandages are removed, and then he sings a song. (laughs) Like, there's just song after so many songs. Uh, And I would say that Rocky Horror, the actor playing Rocky Horror, tries to sing a song in this. Yeah. They hired a model. Yeah, (laughs) yes. It's a lot of, like, scream singing. Yeah. He invented, yeah. There's a lot of high school energy to this movie. Uh, Dr. Frankenfurter is very pleased with how Rocky turned out uh, because he's very muscular and... Very diplomatic way to put that, yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, he seems to have created Rocky mostly so that he he can have sex with Rocky. Yes. Yes. And then Eddie Meatloaf shows up. (laughs) And then we're like, hold on, Meatloaf? And then we pause and we're like, pre-bat out of hell or post-bat out of hell? pre Mm-hmm. Pre. Yeah. He's not famous yet in this mm-hmm. one. Because I was just trying to figure out, well, we were all trying to figure out where's the majority of this budget, budget coming from. Yes, and it seemed like it was post Bad Out of Hell. A lot of it would be going towards Meatloaf. But it's pre, so we just you know, don't, don't know. know. Yeah, if anyone knows like what you had to pay for it for a Meatloaf cameo in 1975, let us know. I don't think it was super high. It was like... Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, and Meatloaf were all like pre being very famous mm-hmm. in this movie. So yeah. we just, corners were cut, unclear yeah. why. Well, the budget was only yeah. a little over a million dollars, right? Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's a million dollars. I don't know. I'm just I mean, like, it's a million dollars. Frankenfurter's makeup alone costs $500,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big, probably big, like, sequin budget, too. Yes. Uh, yes. 100%. Yes, yes. Okay, so then Eddie is there. <laughs> he, he's a biker. He's a biker. He's got a big gash on his head. He sings a song. He's Mr. Lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me forever to figure out what was happening there. Yeah. But he, he loves rock and roll. He sings a song about it. <laughs> and then, seemingly out of nowhere, Frankenfurter chops him with an axe and kills him. And we're like, oh, surely this will come back. <laughs> and... And for a long time, it doesn't. <laughs> and then Frankenfurter goes off to have sex with his creation, Rocky. And meanwhile, Brad and Janet are shown to separate rooms to sleep in. And then someone who Janet thinks is Brad comes in and starts kissing her, but it's actually Frankenfurter in a scene that we will talk about. Yes. Don't you worry. And then Frankenfurter does the same thing to Brad in another scene we will also talk about. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, Rocky has gotten loose from his chains because he's a he's prisoner. Being, well, because in that, it he, Rocky is a 
prisoner of Frankenfurter. Mm-hmm. But then the reason that he escaped, I still haven't made heads or tails of this, is because he's taunted by a candelabra. Yes. <laughs> yes. Being held by Riff Raff. And uh-huh. Riff Raff's like, hey, 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 candelabra. And Rocky's like, no candelabra. <laughs> and then he escaped. I was like, that is what breaks him? Like, yeah. yeah. He's being like, held prisoner. Yeah, gothic lighting. No, thank you, <laughs> yeah, Rocky he's, says. He's like, I'm out yeah, of here. Yeah, no. And he shimmies down the fire <laughs> yeah. pole. It was like, why was why was Riff Raff taunting him with the, that candelabra? I simply don't know. I simply I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone pour into our DMs telling us why we're so dumb for not <laughs> realizing the candelabra taunt. Rocky does not get very far, and then Janet finds him, and she is extremely horny now. So she sings a song about how she wants him to have sex with her, and then they have sex. And I'm going to say, I... That's my most, that, that song slaps. That's my favorite yes. song in the movie, it's yes. 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 And we get to see the ever so rare female orgasm on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, is that what happens? <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, we'll unpack this at a later time. <laughs> I think it's implied that that's what happens I at believe. the end. Yes. And then okay. mm. the red silk sheet is pulled over her, like, don't look at it, you know? But oh. It's like, oh, we saw it. Okay. <laughs> That's why we're here. (laughs) Okay, good to know. Yeah. (laughs) Then Dr. Everett Scott shows up, and Frankenfurter considers Dr. Scott to be a rival mad scientist, like a rival scientist. Classic rivalry, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And Frankenfurter thinks that Dr. Scott sent Brad to the castle to spy on Frankenfurter, but the reason he actually come was to find his nephew, Eddie, <gasps> who we saw Meatloaf get chopped. Was his nephew. Yes. And now he's dead. It's all tied together very naturally. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, this is not yeah. convenient at no, all. Not one oh, can the be. German scientist nephew yeah. is Meatloaf. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then Frankenfurter and Brad discover Janet and Rocky post-coitus, and I guess post-orgasm. And they're not happy they're about for it. Sure, yeah. But then they all have dinner together. <laughs> and during and it's dinner... it's a tense dinner. It's, mm. it's tense. Uh, during dinner, we find out that Frankenfurter and company are aliens. Over an hour into the movie. Yes. Like, yeah. by the way... <laughs> Everyone who lives in this castle is an alien. Also, the castle is a spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dr. Scott finds out that his nephew, Eddie, was killed. And, like, the reason that Eddie had a gash on his head, we find out eventually that Frankenfurter removed part of Eddie's brain to put into Rocky's head. So now we understand Meatloaf's head scar. Right. It's like a little clue you planned early in the film. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Foreshadowing for a payoff that never comes. (laughs) We're just like, oh, okay, so his brain was cut in half. Does that have bearing on future events? No, it doesn't. No. It's just stated, and you're like, oh, that sucks for Meatloaf. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. And they've right, been eating well, him. I guess I don't, yeah, and, and they ate him, yeah. so he has bigger fish to fry in this situation, really. <laughs> it's so confusing. And then uh, Frankenfurter turns Brad, Janet, Dr. Scott, Columbia, and Rocky into stone statues because he's had enough of them, I guess. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> and then he puts on a show featuring the statues, which then turn back into the people 
And then Riff Raff and Magenta show up, and they're like, hey, Frankenfurter, we're going back home to our home planet. They're in space outfits now. Yes. Yeah. And they're going back to their home planet in the Transylvania galaxy, and then Frankenfurter sings a song about how happy he is to be going home, but Riff Raff is like, you misunderstood. It's only me and Magenta who are going back. And then he shoots Cersei and Jamie energy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, no one is anything. We're going to kill everyone who isn't directly related to us. Because <laughs> <laughs> then Frankenfurter gets shot with a laser gun, and Rocky tries to save him, but they both die. And then Riff Raff is like, hey, Brad and Janet and Dr. Scott, you should get out of here now because we're about to leave on our castle spaceship. And then they leave, and the castle blasts off into space. And that's and everyone's like, like weird night. It's yeah. a movie, yeah. <laughs> the end. Also, the the story that like there are cuts to uh, the narrator who is like a some he's yeah. I don't know who he is. The narrator, I believe, in the is like billed as like the criminologist or something. Right. Oh, yes. Okay. So I, yeah, this is like a it, it was the first true crime podcast. It was like he was just <laughs> I mean, recounting yes. he was recounting the story of this true crime that happened. Incredible. Oh, yes. that's <laughs> uh, so that's the story of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. That's so fun. I feel like even the biggest fans of this movie would struggle to explain the plot. To yeah, them. I think so. They're like, the first half hour is amazing. And mm-hmm. then by then, hopefully you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's 
let's get into it. Where shall we start? Oh gosh. Well, uh, do we want to start? I suppose with like the cultural impact this movie has had. Yeah, I mean, there. I've done a lot of uh, a, a lot of research outside because I mean, there's a lot to talk about about what happens in plot, but uh, the main legacy of this movie is the subculture that has popped up around it. And so mm-hmm. I did a fair amount of research because I've, I've gone to see Rocky Horror Picture Show in theaters a number of times, but never, I was young, I was like so young when I started seeing it that I didn't really question the culture around it mm-hmm. and then continued to not do so. Yeah, it's like I, I probably the last time I went to a, a uh, stage show or a, a, a shadow cast of it was, Maybe like eight or nine years ago, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I guess I didn't, I didn't know back then that shouting "slut" a hundred times at the screen was, was bad. Right. Yeah. So, so that is like the main thing that people uh, take issue with. So, if you're not familiar with the culture that surrounds live screenings at the Rocky Horror Picture Show, there's a very well documented and kind of like unchanging. Uh, sequence of things that people yell at the screen, mm. props that they bring. There's like stuff that like there's forks thrown at one point. There's water that's sprayed, and it's like a very ritualistic thing. Mm-hmm. And some of the rituals are very like kooky and fun, and other of the rituals have not aged very well. Yeah. Such <laughs> as any time that Janet's character is on screen, you're supposed to scream "slut." Yeah. at wow. the screen, even though she has sex no more than anyone yes. else in the movie. Not right. even, Bra- like, Bra- she and Brad stray about from each from each other in about equal amounts, like, yeah. and, and yet he is not referred to as a slut. Never, no. yeah. And, and so there is some interesting, I think, conversation that I, I will just admittedly just scratch the surface here uh-huh. on the conversation around this culture because it is, like, an interesting, complicated legacy for uh, a movie that, I mean, certainly in my area, and I think a lot of areas in America in particular, are an entryway into queer culture mm-hmm. and a very clear place to go that if you are, if you want to be in, involved, like, it's a good place to start. Yeah, it's it's just kind of a, like, it's, it's a very, like, almost like Mickey Mouse version of, like, right. of, like, queer culture, which is appropriate because uh, Disney owns it now. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, think about that. Um, but um, Columbia wears Mickey Mouse ears halfway through it, so, like, so it's, they, are, they knew oh, what's going to happen 40 yeah. years later. Um, right. But, yeah, it is, like, I mean, the fa- like, I think back on, like, that story I told, the fact that my dad was like, you know, hey, like, I recorded this off TV for you, tells me that, you know, it is like, and I I knew he knew what it was, but it's just like, it's just this very, like, safe, like, it still, like, challenges you and is inviting you into a kind of, like, new, weird, fun world, but it's like, this. it's kind of like the safety version Mm -hmm. of that. Right. It it seems to be a lot of people's, like, step one into, like, like, I have questions about my sexuality, or this is just something that is, this is a community that is cool and interesting to me and like let's explore it it's a lot of people's step one because it's accessible to younger people as well and so i don't want to neg this community on the whole because there's a lot about it that is absolutely wonderful and like necessary especially in places where queer communities aren't as accessible sure uh yeah i mean there's a there's a lot of value in like having media like like this movie that's like palatable for you know, young, well, very suburban night. 
Right. It's like, well, Kids it's very, you know, like, and we'll, we'll haul out the word. Well, it's very problematic, let's say. Mm. Um, it is a lot of people's, like, first exposure to queer community. And it was, I think, one of my first involvement. Like, in just it was like there was literally the GSA at my high school, and you could go to Rocky Horror, and that was really all you could do. Yeah. yeah. And so, it, like, it was important. But that said, there is a lot um, in the community that has been challenged and questioned over the years that I think is very interesting. The yelling slut at Janet, I think, is the most obvious. But there's also, I mean, there's like lines. I looked through just kind of the stuff I'd forgotten about what people yell at the screen of when Janet says, oh, I was saving myself. And the audience will reply, for what, a rainy day? Look outside, bitch. It's pouring. Like, they're just constantly oh. yelling yeah. shit at Janet. Um, And so I I was researching, there was some great stuff written uh, about, uh, because another component of the Rocky Horror uh, experience is that there's a shadow cast acting out the movie in front of you. So there's like local actors, and they often have like a pretty cult following. Yeah, they become like celebrities within this like small niche community. Right, I mean, I had the biggest crush on whomever was playing Rocky Horror in Westbridge Water in the late (laughs) 2000s. I was, like, I loved them, but it was, I was, they they were like a local celeb, and I was like, I can't approach, you know? (laughs) And so there is, like, this untouchable, like, kind of cool quality, Um, and there's been a lot written uh, and and, and interviewed about people like this. So I, uh, I first wanted to share a few quotes from a former uh, director and cast member from the 80s and 90s who was involved in Rocky Horror in the Houston area. Um, His name is Jeff Rauner. This was written a couple years ago, just kind of reflecting on um, his experience in the Rocky Horror cast. He's a cis-het man, and he sort of wrote a a column about um, reflecting on it years later. So a few quotes from there. He says, quote, It's not as fun as it used to be. Watching Rocky after years of being a media critic has definitely worn the shine off the film, and the cult experience that grew up around it isn't really much better. Take Screaming Slut whenever anyone says Janet's name is arguably the single most basic call line in Rocky horror history, alongside Screaming Asshole when anyone says Brad. It's basically Rocky 101 for the virgins, which we'll get to, uh, so they can get used to the whole talking at the screen thing. I remember when I was a cast director, we got a complaint letter sent to the theater. The main gist was that having hundreds of people screaming slut was kind of fucked up. I. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of. It's kind of. uh, I, with the righteous indignation only a 20-year-old white dude can muster, threw a fit. How dare they besmirch a traditional part of the experience? Had they no appreciation for the culture of the thing? Had they no respect for the unique cinematic experience that was Rocky? Looking back at it now, I sounded like a fucking gamer gator. (laughs) I sounded like every other aggrieved son of privilege beating his chest because his toys made other people uncomfortable. It's a weirdly conservative mindset for something that was supposed to be about breaking boundaries. A lot of the people I ran with considered offense to be the whole point of the enterprise, which is kind of bizarre for a film whose main tagline is, don't dream it, be it. So that was uh, one, one perspective on just like someone who was very deeply involved in the culture and then was questioning his own attitudes uh-huh. towards it. Oh, and then he goes on to say, and then I have, uh, please bear with me, everyone. There's, this is a very deeply entrenched community. Mm. So 
Uh, he goes on to say, quote, a friend of mine once said that Rocky was LGBT cosplay for straight people, and that is definitely a sentiment I understand now. It's less of a boundary breaker and more of a chance for the comfortable to dip their toes in their perception of gay culture. Don't get me wrong, I loved being there. Hell, the first LGBT people I ever met were there, which is not surprising since I got my start back in when Houston was still sporting anti-gay vice laws and there, weren't, there, there just weren't a lot of places LGBT people could go and be themselves. It feels like an artifact to be appreciated for its historical value more for than its continued cultural relevance. It's basically the South Park of cult films. And <laughs> 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 that what it had to say has long since been said by better voices. So that was one perspective of a former cast member. Um, and then there was a uh, writer, Lindsay King Miller, who interviewed a number of current uh, Rocky Horror uh, Picture Show cast members just last year, who first uh, shared their own experience that I, I'd be curious, I mean, when, when I was going to, and we were just talking about this backstage, like I, I look back on going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show generally positively and as like a fun experience, but even so, there is that culture around the idea of like if you're a quote unquote virgin going to the show or if it's your first time going, uh -huh. there is a lot of pressure put on you to, I mean, there were accounts in this story which was published by them last year uh, about people in certain areas who were asked to flash the audience because oh. it was their first time going to Rocky Horror. I remember when I went for the first time, they were trying to convince people to kiss on stage if they were virgins, you know, virgins, but also, virg I was 14. Uh, <laughs> And I remember telling the person, I was like, oh, this is my cousin. And you know, like I was there with my cousin and being 14 and, and it, w it just wasn't even something I even thought about until I was reading these other accounts of like, oh yeah, I remember having to like, you know, kind of hang on to my cousin and be like, oh, we gotta, you know, look out for each other. Yeah. And so I just wanna share a little bit from Lindsay's story. They did an interview, one of the most, uh, so quote, sorry, journalism, okay. <laughs> Quote, uh, one of the most visible faces of the movement for a safer Rocky Horror Picture Show is New York City cast member Jackson Tory Bart, age 23, who started attending shadow cast performances at the Rocky Horror as a teenager. And uh, Jackson says, quote, what I found there was a place to explore and express my non-binary gender as it began to take shape and live truer in my queer identity. And then Jackson later joins the New York City Rocky Horror Picture Show cast and says that, quote, upon interacting with the wider community, I was surprised to find leadership dominated by cisgender straight people, most often men, unquote. They realized quickly that the Rocky Horror subculture was far from immune to the homophobia and transphobia from which it was supposed to be a refuge. Jackson says, quote, I will never forget being told that my gender was fake and invalid by a middle-aged cis man in a corset, heels, and garters, unquote. Uh, Lindsay also interviews another cast member named Cassia, who is a member of the RKO Army cast alongside Jackson in New York. Cassia goes on to say, quote, I had people calling me a cunt, saying I was a blight to society, threatening to sue me, threatening to try to get me kicked off my cast, spreading gossip about me, unquote, uh, when they attended a 2016 Rocky Horror Convention. 
And so whenever uh, an allegation would come uh, forward about a Rocky Horror cast member, uh, quote, Cassia, already familiar with potential repercussions, was ready to support them and help call out their abusers. Although Jackson and Cassia say they have faced backlash from name calling to threats of legal action, for turning a spotlight on predators who use Rocky Horror as a hunting ground, they have also been met with gratitude and support from the community. Quote, not everyone in the cast is as loud about this as we are, says Cassia, but everyone cares a lot about this issue and what we are trying to do, unquote. So, hmm. even within the Rocky Horror community, there has been a, a fair amount uh, of pushback in recent years to be more accepting, and I think that a lot of this comes up in the, the, the 70s-ness that this movie is routed in, in terms of just like seeking consent and considering the age of audience members and, and, and homophobia and transphobia that just spiral out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that we are, the three of us watched it last night and I mm-hmm. think, I mean, we were all pretty taken, because I would say like this is, last night was probably one of the first times I like watched, watched the, just the movie right. as a movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, and not that I would have been making this call like 10 years ago, but seeing the scene where like, the two scenes in a row where Frankenfurter just kind of like, you know, pulls a like, Revenge of the Nerds to like yeah, sleep with yeah. both of them is like really like gross, like Ugh. it's really gross. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're right, it's that kind, you know, it's, it's a, it's, there's something like a little bullyish to it. Like, the, like everything you're describing, like it's, it's just these like bully undertones. And then I don't know that they're, th- that they're, I think you're right in saying like those things, they exist like within the film to some extent. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's like I think there's definitely a lot of discussion to be had, and and it is such a vast cult following that it's like from region to region. I'm sure yeah. that the cult, like the the following around it differs, mm-hmm. but but it is it was interesting to. I mean, I, I feel like it is generally painted as like such a friendly and all encompassing, you know, open space, and then to hear that of course, like as we found out so many times that even these spaces that were supposedly designed yeah. with openness in mind have this insidious nature to them. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. It's Well, speaking of, uh, the director, or the creator. Yes, yeah. let's talk yeah. about that. Creator Richard O'Brien, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Richard O'Brien was like on record fairly recently, I think like within the last like two months as saying that he, uh, he does not believe that like he does, trans women are not women. And is essentially it was the the extent of his sentiment that a trans woman will always be like a man in a dress, like it's it's all it, what I'm I don't have to write it down because it's all like the the you know the turfy best ofs, uh, um, <laughs> um, but it, and it's. And, and, and he does say, you know, like, I consider myself, like, a third, like, this third gender. I think that's a real thing. But, like, trans trans people are not a real thing. And it's like, wow, way to, like, like, gender is just as fluid as you need it to be. And goes no further. Yeah. Like, like I, and, like, I don't know. It, but it's, it was, like, genuinely disheartening. It was genuinely sad. Like, because not a huge part, but Rocky Horror was definitely a part of my, you know, 
kind of figuring myself, that journey of figuring myself out. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I, I was watching Laverne Cox talk about her, because she played Frankenfurter yeah. in the 2000, 2016 version. Mm -hmm. And she talked about how, you know, she she's known a lot of people who, yeah, Rocky Horror was the start of their journey into, you know, figuring out who they were. Uh, so, so I don't know, like, I, I, I think of it as like, it's like fucking like Santa Claus telling you there's no Santa Claus. It's like it's like Santa Claus like shows up and he's like I'm not real and then he disappears and you're like what the fuck? <laughs> what is my brain supposed to think about this? Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's it's I don't know. it's it's confusing because I didn't realize this until uh, very recently when I started doing some research about Richard O'Brien. But I pulled some quotes from a BBC article. Richard O'Brien is a from, mess. Yeah. yeah. From 2013. An um, absolute mess. And in the article, he uh, speaks... Well, I don't know pronouns. I don't know. But uh, O'Brien speaks about their gender identity and fluidity, saying, it's my book, quote, Journalism. Thank you. <laughs> New bit. Uh -huh. <laughs> Quote, it's my belief that we are on a continuum between male and female. There are people who are hardwired male and there are people who are hardwired female. But most of us are on that continuum. And I believe myself probably to be about 70% male, 30% female. O'Brien has also, uh, and this is me talking now, uh, unquote is what you say, right. Um, <laughs> journalism. Yes, journalism. Uh, O'Brien has also identified uh, Joan, as you said, as being a third sex and has taken estrogen. So we're like, okay, he's, he's gender fluid, but, and then he's like, but trans women aren't women. And you're like, what? Richard, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's confusing. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it just, you know, it speaks to this, like, intense inability to look, like, kind of look outside yourself. Yeah, like, sure. All, I, like, literally all, and I, I, I read in the interview, I read that he still, that it's still, he still uses male pronouns. So okay. That's what I was, so that's what I was going with. But, like, he's still, um, you know, he understands, it's like a lack of empathy. Like, he understands what go, what's going on inside of him, and but he can't, like, extend that to, like, anybody else. else. Which, uh, you know, like, tracks with just, like, other things I've learned about him. It, it, like, namely, like, you know, his just, like, his distaste for, like, how, like, popular his thing has become. Hmm. The thing is, like, with Richard O'Brien, outside of his very messy views on gender and identification in general, he just seems like a, a, a pretty bitter person yeah, <laughs> about, like, I mean, and, but, I'm sorry if there's stands in the audience, but, like, yeah. but, but in general, like, he does come off as, like, you're ruining my creation, and yeah. he's always, like, why didn't people appreciate me as riffraff? Yeah. And you're, like, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah, there's a, and I, I would recommend why, because I think the production itself is fun. On YouTube, there is a, like, 2015 stage production. It's a lot of fun, like, Stephen Fry is the narrator. But, like, they, like, interview Richard O'Brien, like halfway through and like it's just clear that he's like disgusted with this th with this and he's people and he's like yeah it's just this vibe of like why like these people are ruining my my brilliantly crafted script and it's like no, no, no. <laughs> all right write something all right. better yeah. i don't know what yes, to tell yes. you like yeah you were yeah where's your sophomore <laughs> triumph uh, <laughs> it was shock treatment <laughs> That was his follow that was his sequel to Rocky Horror. It did not make an impact, as that reaction will tell you. I have not 
I haven't seen it, but I but people it seems like people have generally argued that it is a more cohesive piece than Rocky Horror. Yes, I would say it's a more cohesive piece. I would say none of the songs slap. Oh, <laughs> well then, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's a little bit of background I had about the, the state of the subculture. Uh, and then to, to everyone listening and to everyone here at the show tonight, I mean, I, I'm very interested in, and we were talking about this again last night, of just like what is the current uh, state of Rocky Horror yeah. fandom? Because it does seem like in some cases it does skew older and where there are more options for many for queer community now, like where, yeah, uh, yeah where does that fandom stand? Yeah. Because, I mean, like, we've, the new art one, which I think is a lot, the one of the new art on Santa Monica's. for crying out loud. Yeah, let's all go afterwards. <laughs> um, uh, let's, uh, who can get like a 50 person lift? Um, it's a, um, it's still, it's been going for like pretty much 40, like since 86. Yeah. It's been going for almost consistently every Saturday night since, since 86, I believe they took some time off in the early 2000s to repo the genetic opera. Remember that? Okay. No. I'm referencing, I have movies everybody remembers. Um, but yeah, they've been doing it for like, like, for like 35 years or something. Wow. Right. I mean, so it's, it, and it's like really the only movie of its kind that has this kind of following. Yeah. Which, which is like a gigantic accomplishment for the piece and for the community around it. But I, I, yeah, I just, I haven't been in several years myself and I'm just like, yeah, where does it stand? And especially are young, pe younger people still interested in going, like is this still an entry point for younger people? Because yeah. I don't know if a 14 year old today would be like, oh, here's, here's the, the best option in my area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, hmm. We don't know. We'll find yeah. out. We'll, get, we'll take some questions at the end. Love. Yeah. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. 
Let's talk about the actual female characters in the film. Oh, okay. Um, well, unbelievable <laughs> that you suggest that. I'm so sorry. I, I'll go home. Um, <laughs> let's start with Janet, I suppose. Yes. Uh, as we already hinted at, she is basically inconsequential to the plot, if you can call it that. But we love Janet. <laughs> but we love, we love Janet. I love Janet. Yeah. She does faint once during time warp. She faints and she shrieks. And then she faints again when Frank and Furter first appear because, say it with me now, women, women be, be fainting. <laughs> and there's also, when she doesn't faint and something dramatic happens, she then shrieks and rushes into the arms of the most recent person she's had sex with. <laughs> yes. So that is another quality. Right. She She's written as a fairly timid like, oh, Brad, I'm so scared, protect me type of female character. But she does have an arc. She yes. has an arc, yes, yes she, definitely. She, she starts by saying her. she doesn't like men with muscles, and then she does. And, <laughs> yes, and then has sex with totally that. Yes, she, she yeah. seduces a man yes. with muscles, who might be a baby? We'll yeah. talk about it. Oh, uh, oh yes. Oh, Here's yikes. what we know, he has muscles. <laughs> But then she's only like sexually liberated after she gets raped yes. by Frankenfurter. Mm. So that we'll, we'll get to that. There are a few. I mean, and this is in no way defending the two consecutive rape scenes that are played for jokes. But there are a few um, things I thought that were like planted for Janet. Mm -hmm. Planted for, for Janet. Janet. Damn it. Uh, and. <laughs> where there are a few moments where Janet is starting to have fun, like at the party and at the time war. I think it's during the time war where yeah. she goes like, oh, this is fun. And Brad's like, no, it isn't. And yeah. she's like, okay. But there, there are a few times where Janet wants to participate mm -hmm. and her fiance, Billy Zane. My fiance? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get your hands off my fiance. Uh, but where her fiance is like, we don't like this. And mm -hmm. Janet kind of recalibrates and is like, okay, 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 I'm not allowed to like Does that this. mean that Brad is basically Cal Hockley and that Rocky is Leonardo DiCaprio slash Jack Dawson? And this is Titanic? Yes, yes. yes it does. Practice. They both have red hair. There's it also, counts. and there's a ship that there's either ship. sinks or blasts off into yeah. space. And they end up Same out, movie. Yeah, end I'm up. willing to explore this theory. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but yeah, I, like it is hinted at a few times that Janet is more receptive and like is... I mean, hornier. <laughs> hornier. She also insists on going with Brad when their car breaks down. He's like, stay here. I'll go find help. And she's yeah. like, no, I'm coming with you. She pushes uh, against him in very subtle ways, but she does push against what he wants a few times. But at the beginning, when he says, no, we don't do that, she obeys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would also say, like, you know, I don't necessarily want to give, like, the movie too much credit in this uh, direction, but, I mean, I do think we are kind of supposed to be watching parodies of 1950s B-movies, yes. like, cute teen couples. So, uh -huh. you know, I, I, I don't... I, the reason I don't want to give too much credit in that direction is because I feel like, at the end of the day, it doesn't have much to say about them. <laughs> right. It just kind of, like, it presents them and is like, we're these like, I don't know, there's nothing to say. But, like, it's like, I do think we are watching, like, you know, archetypes of, like, of characters and not, not necessarily, like, 
no offense, Richard O'Brien, maybe not the most like well-developed, three-dimensional character. He's logging in right yeah. now, like, how dare you say this? Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I was reading some similar analysis. There was a piece that I'll uh, reference later by a queer writer named uh, Ronnie Baker, who did a fair amount of research into the references this movie is making, mm. uh, most of which have not survived the test of time that we would be able to pick up on them. Right. But basically, the uh, queer-coded sci-fi movies that came out in the 50s and 60s and into the 70s that kind of influenced uh, and made this movie what it was in some ways mm-hmm. uh, that are kind of left out. And I, and I think that the Meatloaf character is also supposed to be a reference to, like, 50s, like, you know, James Dean Biker Boys. Yeah, he's like a greaser. Ooh, a greaser, yeah. yeah. A greaser. Right, yeah. right. And then him getting, like, killed so abruptly <laughs> is supposed to be... We don't know, yeah. but it's, it's a, a metaphor. Yeah. For who knows? Yeah. It's like basically what if you're watching like like date movie like it's in 30 years, you're just gonna not know what all these references are. Yeah, you're like, oh, reference equals comment. Yes. got it. Uh, oh, what you were saying about the. Oh, that that was all I had to say on on it for the moment. But okay, got it. Uh, yeah, there's 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 more to come with that one. But oh, basically, good. that they're in B movies specifically, there were some uh, characters that made more explicit challenge to gender that seemed to have influenced Frank and Furter's character that have just kind of been because they were B movies or kind of like forgotten comic books lost to time uh-huh. but there is a clear history of like influence that led like this movie didn't come out of nowhere got that's it. all I'm saying yes got it got it yeah should we talk about those rape scenes I mean we've got it at some point we must I, thanks for coming out tonight everybody <laughs> love to just get a room of people and just be like <laughs> yeah. let's talk about those rape scenes <laughs> But we must. We must. We must. Um, So what happens here in this narrative is that first we see Janet in bed. Someone who she thinks is her fiancé comes in and starts kissing her. And then suddenly it turns out to be Frankenfurter in disguise. Uh, She freaks out. She tells him to stop, screams for help says, uh, you tricked me, I wouldn't have. And then Frankenfurter says, stop it, do you want Brad to see you like this in a compromising sexual position because he basically grabs her legs and like kind of thrusts his pelvis into her. He definitely her. does yeah. that, yes. yes. Um, Without doubt So like that. placing the blame on her and then she says, like what? It's your fault. You're to blame. I was saving myself. And then Frankenfurter responds by saying, well, I'm sure you're not spent yet. And then suddenly her attitude changes. And then he is like kissing her again. And then she's like, promise you won't tell Brad. And then they presumably have sex. Right. And this is supposed to be first a funny moment. Yes. Yeah. And second, a moment that is supposed to indicate, like you were saying, Caitlin, a liberation in the character where this, like, pretty explicit assault. Yes. Very explicit is supposed to mean, and now she is open to sexual experience because she was raped, which is pretty clearly the opposite of what that is. Right. A similar uh, thing happens in Cruel Intentions 
with the Selma Blair character. Yeah. But yeah, basically, I mean, to break down this scene, she is assaulted just by the mere fact of uh, she thinks that Frankenfurter is someone else, and then it's right. like the Revenge of the Nerds thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then she says, no, 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 like denying consent. And then Frankenfurter's like, come on, though, you'll like it. Which is just and like, then impl- she's yes, like consent okay. is something that can, you can be talked out yeah, of. Yeah, persuaded. Yeah. And then he's like gaslighting her. And then suddenly she's into it, question mark. It's just kind of like this like idea of like, you know, like a no, like a no is just like a yes that needs a little more negotiating. Yeah. And like she just, you know, yeah. she doesn't know what she wants. She's just waiting for like the right, like, guy to come along and 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 show her right and the same thing happens to Brad and, and I think that he, like uh, both Janet and Brad are victimized by these scenes and the way that Frankenfurter's character is written is enforcing all these negative 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 yeah. stereotypes about, as well yes about you know I, I, and it's it's hard, I, I don't know exactly how we should be classifying Frankenfurter specifically but uh, you know just I We'll say we'll call him queer, and like yes, just like all these like neg- like you know negative stereotypes of, that exist about that have existed about queer people in like you know sci-fi and horror movies, like really right. up until like very recently. Yesterday, yeah, absolutely, and also still, and also yes. right now, yes. yes. <laughs> but just yeah, like implying that by I mean, and again, it's like not made explicitly clear, but. Yeah that by challenging the gender binary in any way, that Frankenfurter is a predator, mm-hmm. is a cannibal, is, is yeah. like is a murderer, yeah. and, and then conflating it with anyone who challenges the gender binary at yeah. all. Right. Which is like a problem that comes up again and again and again, and even in this extremely iconic movie, it's very present. Oh no, but I mean, I mean like, it extends to like you know Buffalo Bill. This is like yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's also that these scenes are like campy rape scenes in a yeah. campy movie. That phrase should make not it exist. Almost, I, I know. Why? I know. <laughs> They're like it's rape, but it's fun. But They're like it rape. isn't. That makes it like all the more dangerous because it, the whole the scenes are played for humor and for laughs and. It's like disguising full assault in camp and which I sort of am of the mind of like that is almost like the most insidious, dangerous way yes. to do it. That if you can play a scene like that and make people laugh with it, that's a very potent, dangerous thing oh, yeah. to do. For sure. Um, and is not something that has been challenged as much as I I mean, it was genuine I mean, I think that the first time I saw that when I was fourteen I didn't know what to make of it, but everyone was laughing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so you recalibrate to be like, okay, I guess that's funny. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I saw it as a, like, I, I think I saw that scene at a very, like, you know, 10s or 11s. I saw it at, <laughs> the semi, the 11s. at, a, at a pretty young age. And yeah, it just, it just kind of like gave me this idea of like, okay, this is like a, a normal, acceptable, net yeah. acceptable thing. My parents should not have been letting me watch Fox at such a young age. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that, I mean, no one comes out of those scenes. I mean, it's just like it's on every level. It does not hold up. No. Yeah. No. Uh, the most that it does, I guess, is like sort of solidifies Frankenfurter as like 
bi or maybe even pansexual. Uh, so it's not good representation of queerness on screen, but it's there. So that's Yay. confusing to grapple with. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like that sort of goes into the co- the, the larger conversation about Frankenfurter in general. Yeah. So uh, let's let's get, get let's there. get into that. I mm-hmm. mean, there's truly where to begin. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll I'll start on the lighter side of the conversation and uh, talk a little bit about Tim Curry, who mm-hmm. plays this part, um, who. Kind of, I mean, it's it's we're we're in an era where so few people hold up as people, right? Uh, much less <laughs> people worth admiring. And Tim Curry seems to generally uh, hold up as a person, which is great. Yay! Um, Tim Curry. So what I wasn't aware of prior to like researching for this episode was that Rocky Horror was a stage show first. So Tim Curry had already been playing the part. He originated the part of Frankenfurter mm-hmm. uh, in uh, 1973, played it in London, played it on Broadway, and then was one of the few cast members that also played it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so had a, a good understanding of this piece. Uh, based on my research, this was not the first time that Tim Curry had played around with gender in his oeuvre. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had also uh, been in a play called The Maids in 1971 where he played a sadomasochistic female maid named Solange. Would love to see that oh, show. Yes. <laughs> so Tim Curry already had uh, a history of, of having an interest in playing with gender uh, in his performances and it still very much stands by the legacy of Rocky Horror. And so this is a quote from... 05 in an interview with Terry Gross uh, where he says that he views Rocky Horror to be quote a rite of passage and adds that the film is quote a guaranteed weekend party to which you can go with or without a date and probably find one if you don't have one and it's also a chance for people to try on a few roles for sides you know figure it out help them maybe figure out their own sexuality unquote. Um, and he's remained pretty involved in the Rocky Horror community to the point where he was the narrator in the Laverne Cox uh, mm. stage adaptation that oh. was on Fox in 2016. So, uh, yay, Tim Curry! Yes. Hooray! We love him. <laughs> now let's get into the harder stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I thought that because the only real serious attempted update at this material, because it is in some in a lot of ways, kind of unupdatable. Yeah. Uh, a real example against reboot culture, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like some material is just like it's so in the DNA of it. But this was rebroadcast as one of the like uh, broadcast Broadway shows. Right. In 2016, and Frankenfurter was played by Laverne Cox. Yeah. And I know you've done some research into this as well. I, I have some quotes from her that I thought were really interesting. Well, I think, and I think this might be what you're getting to, but like, sure. at least in terms of what she had to say about like, you know, Frankenfurter and their identity, um, she talks a lot about the fact that you know, he as a character, as a person, identifying as like a tra- like you know a quote unquote like uh, transsexual transvestite, mm-hmm. like that that was like kind of the language and the level the language a person a person like that would have like at the time uh, at the time the play came out or the time the movie came out right. yeah. so you know it was kind of like with Frankenfurter you're kind of looking at a character like bumping up against the walls of you know just 
of understanding that the culture had at that time, and that's how they were defining themselves. Um, and you know, it would probably be a uh, you know a very different uh, character if they were written today. But I think there's still kind of the idea that you know you honor how they saw themselves back then because that's you know. We still want to just honor that and observe it, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I totally agree. I, I It's so, like, what, what stood out to me, because I, I tried to, like, go through a little bit of the, because it seemed like people, like, it wasn't, like, a huge event, but people enjoyed it. It was generally well-regarded. Yeah. Victoria Justice. Victoria Justice. Justice anything. Plays Janet. Yeah. 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 You know, like, <laughs> we love it. Tim Curry plays a narrator. Laverne Cox is Frankenfurter. You know, it's like, I feel like as far as an attempt at an update, they did what they could. Yeah. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was when Laverne Cox was doing interviews about this project, um, she was talking a lot about, I mean, and we've talked about this on the, on the podcast a fair amount, of pressure on a specific actor to represent their entire community in every part they play. Mm -hmm. And uh, Laverne Cox uh, kind of spoke on this to an extent when she was talking about this because she recognizes in interviews that this is not the like most up-to-date of the moment part yeah. to play, but she's acting and, and, and sort of the pressure that she as one of the only prominent trans uh, actors working to always be representing not just her own work, but just of everyone is an enormous pressure. So uh, a few quotes from her that she, uh, that she said when this came out in 2016 was, uh, quote, to call a trans woman a transvestite in 2016 is very offensive, but as an actor, I don't play roles based on politics. This is just acting. I think of all the male-identified actors who have played Dr. Frankenfurter on stage over the years. I don't think any of them identified as transvestites either. People are confused about the trans identity anyways, but hopefully we can have a discussion about it. Um, so that was just like the, a little bit of what she said when she played this role that I thought was interesting. And I think that's, I mean, I, you know, kind of like what I get from, like at the heart of that is, you know, like why, this is like, Frankenfurter, you know, stuff aside, like, is, like, a fun, like, role to get to play. Like, it's a fun, like, character to live in, especially for, like, that, the, the big number. And it's, you know, it's, I, I, I understand the, the desire to be, like, I don't constantly want to be, like, defined by the politics surrounding my identity. Sometimes I just want to, like, have fun in a role. Sometimes I just want to, you know, like, act and sing and, like, have, be, play a big campy character. And mm -hmm. I think, I, you know, she has that, I totally think she has that right as a performer. Absolutely, yeah. So that, that was, like, one thing that was just, like, uh, like, what, a, what an extreme pressure put on yeah. her that would be put on very few other working actors to represent everybody at once. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, and, and then there's the tropes we were discussing earlier, which was just um, Frankenfurter uh, presenting a queer-identifying character as literally every negative stereotype I can think of down to cannibal, which I don't even <laughs> normally think about. <laughs> it also took me a few views of this movie to be like, oh, they're eating meatloaf? Like, yeah. And not the meat... Like yeah. the man. No, <laughs> that would have been way chiller. But they were eating the <laughs> the famous musician. Did they put ketchup on them though? That's how you eat meatloaf. I believe oh, right. there. Is, yes, I actually believe Frankenfurter puts me ketchup on him at one point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so. It 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 is. 
very brilliant, as well as like portraying Frankenfurter as very spiteful and jealous and vengeful and violent and just really everything in the book. But but what the the arc that was pointed out by the the writer Ronnie Baker that I wanted to point out that was sort of pulled from that uh, legacy of B movies and comic books with characters challenging gender that came before it. And this also sort of ties into, and I haven't done the deep research necessary, so drag me if you must, but uh, the, where, the place that movie codes were at in the 1970s uh, were at a very in-between place where the extremely rigid codes of like Doris Day, I love being a wife and wifing rules, like that has fallen away, and now there's more room for, for more challenging material but still with restrictions. And Rocky Horror is kind of a good bottle example of that where we are allowed to love, enjoy, in spite of the fact that there's a lot of negative stereotypes yeah. being portrayed, but, but it, you know, people love Dr. Frankenfurter. Yeah. They're, they're, like, he's the center of the movie. He's the most remembered character. And so we're allowed to have this character front and center as long as, as the movie plays out, this character is punished for their transgression at the end, which is what happens when Riff Raff and Magenta come back and they zap him and he dies and it's very tragic. And that was sort of where where the narrative stood in terms of how queer characters yeah. can be portrayed. Yes, and uh, and also like uh, you know I think like um, I bring this Zap Colum- Columbia dies too in that scene. Yeah, and you know I I feel like a lot of the kind of the way like trans like specifically like trans women are portrayed in in media in general, but specifically in ho- in horror films they are you know classically like the kill like you know the villain. Oh, sleepaway camp. The sleepaway camp yeah. like. Uh, um, the 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 Brian, the Brian De Palma movie with Michael Caine, uh, dead. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. to kill, dress yes. to kill, yes, dress yes, to yes, kill, yes. sleepaway camp, uh, <laughs> the seed of Chucky, like, um, and oh my God, what yes. like all those things kind of like come down to. I feel like is like. It's not just the tra- it's not just like specifically like trans women are villains. It's that there is something. I feel like it's, there's something innately like duplicitous and villainous about like women and that's and what and then and therefore like what could be like more like is it a yeah. man that wants to take on yeah. those qualities because like if you like watch like oh like uh i'm gonna use uh seed of chucky and dress the kill as my two uh prime examples but there's Love a lot it. of examples of this of where it's like presented as very binary like the character has a male side and a female side mm-hmm. and it's always in those movies it's always like the female side is the one that is like doing the killing um so you know and i, I think that like plays out in the movie in, in here where it's it's not just like frankenfurter that is you know is kind of villainized for kind of messing with the gender binary a little bit but you know like Columbia is a, you know, is is kind of like a hysterical, like very like jealous woman. Like mm, pro- yes. she's like driven pretty much entirely by jealousy throughout the entire film, you yeah, know. Right. That and no one like, you know, like it's kind of hard to keep track of what her relationships are because just well, like there's like multiple times where she bursts out and she's like, I was in love with you. And yeah, you're and like, like what? what? Who are yes. you? Like, yes. <laughs> Um, but like she's another I feel like you know she is punished for that as well at the end yeah. something I think is I always think about at least with like transphobia specifically towards like trans women trans women is that it's it's just a it's also just you know misog- it's just an, it's just misogyny in another form yeah so, yeah 
And then, and then, I mean, just even based off of you talking about that, I mean, there's really not anyone who presents in traditional men's clothing who is made out to be remotely bad in no. this movie, where they're mostly victimized where it, with the meatloaf character coming out in the like traditional macho James Dean biker yeah. outfit, hacked to death immediately. He's victimized. The, uh, the scientist uh, is also the rival scientist is victimized. Brad is victimized. Yeah. Where, and then it's made out that Frankenfurter, the, the characters that present female, like w- whether that be Frankenfurter or that be Janet, uh, being mm-hmm. like feeling welcome to have sex while an audience full of people 30 years yes. later are screaming slut at her. Yeah. <laughs> like they are more aggressively punished by the narrative. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, just to touch on a few of the other female characters, not that there are many, but, um, Col- Columbia. Magenta. No, no, sorry. Uh, Magenta is yeah. Riffraff's sister slash lover? Question mark. Yeah. Um, like that so whole storyline is, she's pretty sidelined. Like, there's a few scenes where she's like talking to Columbia, and then like, n- but never really doing anything. Or well, the only scene where she's anyway. talking to Columbia is the scene that is the Bechdel test mind fuck of this movie. <laughs> where it's Columbia and Magenta talking to each other as they're watching a TV screen of, uh, without, clearly without consent. Yeah, it, Janet it, it, doesn't Janet, know this is Janet happening. Janet and Ro- Rocky is a baby. Rocky he doesn't is, know there's cameras but, uh, in the home. A born sexy yesterday, but a which man. Would, yeah. Right, yeah. it's yeah. true, yeah. which is a subversion that I, ooh, like. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when people are like, I'm subverting the trope. I'm like, okay, so you're just hurting someone else. Cool, <laughs> good for you. But like, they're, they, like Columbia and Magenta are watching an you know, unconsented Twitch stream <laughs> of Susan Sarandon doing her high school soprano, like, da, 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 touch me. So she, they're watching people fuck without their consent mm-hmm. and making fun of them. Right, and it yes. passes yes. the Bechdel test? It doesn't, like, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess my point is like, magenta truly d- doesn't really matter to the story at all. I mean, I, I'm sure she's a beloved character, but like, even when, like, mostly it seems like Riff Raff has decided, like, I'm going to overthrow this mad scientist and, you know, kill him and then take over, like, fly this ship out of here. You know, Magenta is very sidelined in that scene. Right, which I think is partially because Richard O'Brien is like, film me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for my close to be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I think overall, uh, the the movie doesn't care very much about its female characters. No, and I also viewed Columbia being uh, another person who sort of falls uh, dead at the end of the movie to be that the only people were, I mean, Frankenfurter's character, I would say, is like kind of inconsistent towards the end, where yeah. towards the end, I think that Frankenfurter's songs become very sympathetic, mm. where uh, you know, he's singing Don't Dream It, Be It, and is singing about you know, like challenging oh, things. Oh yeah, I mean, I will say, like as a kid, like no, like very few like lines and songs spoke to me as much as like whatever happened to Fay Ray, that delicate satin draped frame. Uh, as I something like I started to cry because I wanted it to be dressed just the same, and like that lyric means like, ugh, 
I'm not gonna tear up. But that, lyri- <laughs> that, uh, but that like lyric, like that is so sympathetic towards like what I felt like myself going through at that time, mm-hmm. and like to hear it, like it is expressed very love. I think that it's such a lovely expression of of what I felt and what that character was feeling, and like I don't know, I just I, I yeah. Gets very, he gets very sympathetic at the end. Yeah. He really does. And in those last songs, they're very beautiful and they're very honest. And they are not the cannibal murderer of yeah. 45 minutes ago, certainly. <laughs> yes. And it's only then that Frankenfurter is killed when, when he's expressing his most like concise truth, as well as Columbia, who I think is a reference to a movie company. Uh, being being the only one to, I mean, female character, so shriek out in in his defense. But she's the only person besides Rocky who who expresses uh, upset at his being killed. Yeah. And so she's killed, and Rocky's killed, and because Janet and Brad and uh, Dr. Scott are the bystanders who said nothing, they get to go on and live their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that feels like kind of sending a, I don't know how intentional it would have been at the time, but it does sort of seem to send a message of like the people who stood up for the one character that expressed their truth, at least at the very end, uh, go down with that character. And that fucking sucks. sucks. Well, suck. <laughs> In my academic opinion. <laughs> so yeah, did, uh, that those were those were my uh, thoughts on Frankenfurter. Yeah. Wow. The, there's, there's there's just so much with this so much. movie. I think that there's a little bit to be said about Brad here. Where uh, I mean, I think one of the few things that I am like, yeah, sure, about the uh, live culture of the movie is shouting asshole at Brad because he is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're at the beginning. I like that they're kind of satirizing the expectations of like the traditional like cishet white couple of this time where they're it does it does seem like it's trying to be implied at the beginning that they're only getting engaged because they feel like that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. They're at a marriage. They you know, uh, Janet is like, oh I need to get married next and then Brad's like, uh okay. Like his that's the whole vibe right. of damn it Janet yeah. is like, uh um well <laughs> even in like the choreography it's just like he's like saying it but he's like Physically, like removing himself from her, <laughs> right. it's like it's like it's always Rushing like all this like away. darting away, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 so I, I mean, and I'm 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 going to just kind of remove the assault scenes from this analysis because mm-hmm. those seem to be kind of a thing unto themselves, right? Um, that aren't dealt well well within this movie. But in general, uh, Brad seems to be this character that is acting on what he thinks he is supposed to be doing. He is completely almost acting on like what the expectations of a quote unquote man at this time should be doing Mm -hmm. and then we see him and Janet at the end when they're unstatuified question mark (laughs) Um, you know and they're all they're all wearing the Frankenfurter um, why can't I think of the word corset 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 and fishnets yeah yeah they're all wearing the the, the uniform basically Mm -hmm. at this point and they sing about how they feel liberated and that leads into don't dream it be it and I do like the idea of where that arc goes, I truly detest that a jokey rape scene is part is one of the main plot points that helps them get to that place. Yeah. But taking, I mean, one of the I thought the more effective commentaries of this movie is taking that that very tropey couple that's like, I guess we're getting married, I guess we love each other, mm-hmm. and then 
taking them on this journey and ending them with like Janet saying that she has all this new sexual confidence and that she feels like a new person and Brad doing that really kick that made me horny when I was little. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Barry Bostwick, so oh. limber at 28. Oh. Spin City, oh, honey. No, not that oh. limber in Spin City. So, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that full kick and then the shudder is it? Okay. Yeah. But like, but again, that also implies that the queer characters are there to further the straight characters' narratives. Yes. So yeah. there, there's, there's just, there's truly every problem. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Brad is an interesting underwritten character, much like uh, every character in this movie. True. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have that much else. Does anyone else have any other final thoughts? Not really. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that there's stuff we're missing here. Uh, you know, uh, I, when we were all watching this together last night, I was like, I love meatloaf, and then I googled meatloaf politics, and now I don't yeah. love meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. I yep. know. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I propose we can all still listen to Bat Out of Hell. <laughs> it's a fun album. Uh, but yeah, don't Google meatloaf politics. He is addicted to Mitt Romney. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a drug to him. Ro- he mainlines <laughs> Romney. Pure uncut Romney. Yeah. It's, it's nasty and boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Uh, should we take a few moments for some audience questions, comments, oh, stories? But first... Yes. Oh, well, actually, I have a, fr- I have a friend here, uh, and she was like a pretty active part of a, like, a Rocky... You were in the Rocky Horror scene, right, Kate? My friend Kate Raft. Hi, everyone give my friend Kate Raft a hand. Hi. Like, you have like a bi-coastal like, Rocky Horror story, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, do you, you, do you want to talk about it? Yes, yes. Yes, Yay, give it up Kate Raft. My writing partner come see our show at UCB at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's at some point. <laughs> okay, so I'll make this really quick, but I did go to the like the new art shows in high school because I grew up in the South Bay, not too far from here. And um, I remember being like 17 and thinking that Rocky was super hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the guy who plays Rocky is just like an icon in any Rocky horror performance, like. And I saw him after the show, and I, I don't know how it happened, because I did get, like, probably blackout drunk, which is also, like, a weird part of the Rocky Horror live show culture. Like, you, yeah. they, like, want young children to get very drunk. Oh, and my. it's very weird <laughs> looking sure back. Did, yeah. yeah. So I was, like, very drunk, and I made out with Rocky, like, I think just in front of the theater, like, at the New Art. Like, we didn't go to a bar or anything afterwards. So it was like, this was the highlight of my life. I was like 17, I like got to make out with Rocky. And then he like takes his wig off and he looks very different. And I was just like, this is strange. Like, I'm feeling something different now. I was, you're a real human. This is not the same. Anyway, <laughs> um, fast forward, I go to college in New York like a year later and he's like doing a guest slot at the like Chelsea in New York. like version of Rocky Horror and I made out with him again. So (laughs) I made out with Rocky twice. It's the the height of my sexual (laughs) conquests. And um, I think he's like a Trump supporter now, so (laughs) he like sucks. (laughs) What is? I think he's like really. He's really bad. Was it Meatloaf? It might have been Meatloaf. Oh no! (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I do feel slightly guilty because like when I t- when I asked Kate to come, I was like, come tell the story. It's gonna be really fun. And then I was I did not also say like, and we're gonna be talking about rape scenes for like 45 <laughs> minutes, building up to it. Oh goodness. Um, uh, there is uh, uh, questions, uh, comments, any thoughts from from anyone? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh yes. The the, the the person who has not seen Rocky Horror before. I just want to know um, which role Alfred Molina should have played. Oh, thank oh. you so much for asking. Uh, well, I think if we're <laughs> underselling his talents, which we never should. Uh, he would play a, an excellent Brad. It would bring, you know, not to not to downplay Barry or his kicks, but you know, could bring a lot more. At, you know, he could have brought brought a lot more to that role. I think. Sure. But ultimately, I think that we should have had him playing Rocky Horror. <laughs> like we really need a, a British beefcake in that role, <laughs> um, and not an American model. Is there any? I mean, he also could have played River. I mean, he could have played literally yeah. anyone in the movie. Um, Nowadays he'd be like, like uh, well, I, I could see him as the criminologist, obviously. Oh, for sure. Yes. I mean, what, he's in Frozen Ooh. 2. Oh, he is. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, if I needed another two. reason to see Frozen 2. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, Alfred Bully is in it. Okay. I, he, I mean, as usual, any role will do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like Tim Curry has to play Frankenfurter. That's the only, like, normally I will displace any actor in favor of Alfred Molina, but I do think that Tim Curry yeah. will stay. Yeah. Uh, and Alfred Molina would not be like, Alfred, I mean, as we know, he's our friend. He's our yes. friend. <laughs> he's not a diva. He won't be like, I can't believe. Yeah. He, he would say, I'm just thrilled to be here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, but sort of going off of what Kate was saying about the pressure to get teens drunk, that is one thing that I didn't mention in my discussion of the community of there have been issues with the upside of the community is that uh, everyone is welcome regardless of age. So you have young teens coming into the community. The downside of that is that there are pictures posted of scantily clad teenagers without their consent, alcohol being passed around to them, and a lot of sexual pressure being put on young people uh, without any regard for their age. So huh. just a fun thing. Meatloaf! Pass <laughs> <laughs> through. There you go! He's alive. <laughs> All right, do we have any uh, other com- questions or comments? Yeah. Um, jumping off from the discussion of trans women being the villains, also Psycho. Yes, yeah. Psycho's yes, a big one. Yes. Uh, Dress to Kill is, ter- is terrible. And the complete subject change, I'm sorry, but in Spirit of Halloween, um, I think it should be discussed whether or not Frank Inverter comes, Gabs. I, no one has ever wanted to bring this up before. <laughs> so People are usually upset and horrified. Okay, so let's open the floor here. All right. Frankenfurter. When Frankenfurter comes, we usually have this conversation in regards to Beetlejuice, but let's open it up to Frankenfurter. What, the material that is cummed. Well, I think it would be like... Sca- no, well, well we're be- not... The thing that bothers me is that people are like, it's not scabs. It's for sure scabs. But yeah. even for Frank... Even for Frankenfurter? 
Halloween characters come scab. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's canon. Okay. Yes. It's canon. But, but the question, wet or dry? <laughs> he's well, he's an a, like you know, he's an alien, so like we don't right. know what his internal internal like biology is. Like, you know, it's true. who knows what kind of who, what, what organs he does or doesn't have. So like uh, yeah, I think like I I think he comes from a race where everybody comes scabs. Okay. Intergalactic, Intergalactic scabs. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, but are they wet or are they dry? Ooh, um, they're wet. Yeah. Team wet scab. Yeah. Okay, I'm no, wet. they're yeah. dry. No, they're, no, they're wet. They're As wet. usual, I am always team dry scab. Imagine the card of the deck of cards being shot. Uh, I mean, clearly, clearly, Beetlejuice comes dry scab. Thank he's you. Dead, he's dead, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like a like a, like a machine gun. Yes, yeah. Just one scab after another. And then wet scabs. I can't say it enough. Is a laser jet printer printing a full color photo? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, we had some other, we gotta change the subject. Other questions, other comments? Uh, yes, One more question. Come, come, come on down. Just another quick thing. At the beginning of the film, when at the wedding scene where the car drives up and on the side of the car it says like yeah. just married and uh, like uh, shaving cream. And right below that it says, uh, she just got hers, now tonight he's gonna get his. Which is very icky. Yes. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Mm -hmm. I Uh, guess that's like commentary on how like, oh, this is how straight people be. But I don't even know. Well, no, I I think that, yeah, like it is a comment on like, women want marriage, men want want sex. And also just, you know, that bridal party, don't put that much on the car. Right, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah don't you think comment on your a... friend's relationship on the car. That's not your job. <laughs> yeah, I think it's for a reflection on the bride's friend. Yeah, yeah. I have a shitty friend. To be but, like, make no mistake, this yeah. couple is problematic in all the expected yes, ways. We are going, we are going to use now this. Now wave goodbye. We're going to use this as a chance to subtweet them. But I also feel like that opening sequence with like the wedding and everything is like, oh, look at, look at these fucking normies and their heteronormativity, but wait till you get to the castle, and that's when things get cool and fun. And, and you get molested. And then also you will be assaulted. Um, yeah. So, there's yikes. You no, know, problems there's no in between. There's no winning. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, does the movie pass the Bechdel test? No. No, it doesn't. I don't think yeah. it does. <laughs> there was, there was, uh, there was a, there's the one question mark scene where we were all sort of like, eh, might it? Yes, the, the question is, is is saying someone's dialogue back to them or in a mimicking tone count as dialogue? <laughs> like, is, is like, is if like, yeah, it's being like, meh, 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 is that, is that, is that kind of dialogue? And that's the magenta Columbia scene yes, that we yeah. alluded to before. But ultimately for me, because in this scene, it is two women with names talking to each other about surveilling a heterosexual couple without their consent and and making fun of them. Mm-hmm. I well, say it doesn't pass. Right. I mean, the line goes because they're they're watching Janet sing a song to Rocky about how she just had sex with Frankenfurter, and Magenta says, "Do you mean she?" And Columbia says, "Uh huh." 
And I, that's the only scene I clocked where yeah, women that interact. Yeah, that was the only thing I yes. saw. And then what, later, they do sing a refrain of like, touch it, touch it, touch me. I want to be dirty back and forth to each uh, other. Right. But that is the them like, just shitting, like, yeah, yeah. shitting on Janet. On Which like, Janet. passes, I guess, on paper, but the context is like, yeah. they're talking about the heterosex with a man. And just like regardless, the fact that they are, I mean, that would be maybe our wildest pass yet that like (laughs) watching people fucking without their consent and making fun of them somehow (laughs) passes the Bechdel (laughs) test. Like almost regardless of what they're saying, like even if they're watching an unconsented feed of people having sex and being like, so have you read the latest Roxanne Gay? I'd still be like, I don't know that this passes. Right. <laughs> They're still doing something that's very illegal. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't think it passes. Yeah, it's a no from me. Yeah. Ooh, well, time to rate it on our nipple scale. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, zero to five nipples based on its representation of women, but all things considered, based on our entire discussion, because there yeah. is value in this movie, like being kind of a, you know a gateway for people who might be questioning their sexuality or gender to kind of have exposure to something. This might have been more true in decades past because now yes. there is more content available that focuses on queer narratives. But uh, because it, it does have such a big cultural impact, um, but then also the movie truly doesn't really have any vested interest in any of its female characters. No. Uh, they impact the plot almost none. How and many and the, uh, I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> the prologue is the, killing the pro- me. <laughs> I, um, I have to say, like one and a half. I was gonna say the same thing. Is that too ho- low thing. or too high? Too high? Caitlin, stop insulting the no, audience. Oh my god! I this do is it every time. Me. Say what? Stand by my yeah. decisions. Thank you. Okay, fine. I will my never God. apologize again, and I'll stand by my yeah. decisions. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm so, oh, my goodness. You were just oh. yelling at her. There, you guy. Oh, my I'm God. Also, Everyone is I'm killing I'm still dressed as Brad. Um, <laughs> okay, one and a half nipples, and uh, I will give... One of them to Tim Curry and uh, my half nipple to Susan Sarandon, but for Thelma and Louise and not this movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm also gonna go one and a half. I don't want any comments. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, no, I'm gonna go one and a half. Uh, I appreciate and still, you know, like, I, I mean, it, it's, I, I'm glad that the Rocky Horror uh, cultural legacy exists. I think that it has a ton of value, especially in its time. And I think that it is like more of a region to region influence than most of the movies that we cover where like, I mean, yeah. I mean, in, in some regions, I would imagine that Rocky Horror is still an extremely valuable uh, resource of community yeah. for people who are questioning or want to be involved in the queer community to go to. Yeah. Um, so I am very grateful for its legacy in terms of content. As we've said, it's all fucking over the place. Uh, it does not have a lot of regard for its female characters. It is not a very thoughtful representation of really anybody at all. Um, 
content. A very white movie as well. An extremely white movie. You only see people of color in background, background. shots. Yes. And they can't afford to bring the extras back in every scene. So it is <laughs> just, it, it, it is a mess. I, I am glad that it was successful. I think this is a great example of a movie we've covered that paved the way for better perspectives because this movie um, had a $1.4 million budget and made 100 times its budget wow. at the box office. It was extraordinarily successful. And so for all of its many, many, many faults that we've discussed, a movie being that successful and presenting queer culture in any way, I feel like does pave the way for uh, more qualified voices and more progressive voices to take the lead because with, when it comes to you know the capitalistic nightmare we live in, if something makes money, uh, people will give those types of narratives more of an opportunity with different writers. So yep. I'm glad it exists, and, uh, and, and one and a half nippies for that and that alone. Mm -hmm. uh, I will give one to Tim Curry, and I'm gonna give a halfie to Rocky because he was a baby. <laughs> he was a baby, and we didn't talk about that enough. Born Sexy Yesterday, look up the trope. This is the only male example we've ever covered of it. Poor Rocky. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I think both of what you said was stated very eloquently about you know the cult, the importance of cultural impact of the film, and uh, as you know, speaking to someone who can relate to that, you know, to some extent, it wasn't the most important or influential piece of you know queer media in my in my youth, um, but it was still like it was still important to me and there for me at certain points. That I agree with all that, um, but I do think you know. It, it really seems like this is a, a subculture for, you know, that I'd love to see, to see stick around, but also, like, a lot of subcult like, you know, subcultures right now need to be, like, reevaluated. Updated. You know? Yes, yeah. updated. You know, we can find a better thing to, to what's a progressive thing we can yell at Janet every time she comes on screen? Woohoo! Feminist yeah, woo icon! Yes, feminist Janet. icon. Yes, exactly. Watch the victims. <laughs> the victims cast. Um, just they should all be plugs for your for your podcast <laughs> um but um so yeah so i and i think i i like that there are vo there are voices within the space now speaking up trying to find the uh trying to find ways to you know uh bring bring you know rocky horror for as you know messy and uh complicated a piece of entertainment as it is bring that uh culture bring that community um into you know into 2019 and beyond and that's something you know uh, because it, it, it would make me sad it would make me sad to think that like rocky horror just like stopped existing because you know I, I did a lot of you know this morning i did a lot of research you know or not a lot <laughs> I'm, I'm, i read like three wikipedia i read like three articles online i did a ton of research um no but i like you know found like like um articles from you know like little like colleges like in the middle of the country and for them like you know like from like literally like this like this october like a couple like a week or two ago uh -huh. talking about you know like you know uh rocky horror you know coming to campus is like this big deal and it is like you know they like one of uh, one of uh, like two or three like you know queer focused events they have every uh, they have every year in some cases not even every year so you know i think there is still like an importance and a uh you know outside of maybe where we are outside of our bubble like there's still a lot of like 
good the community can do so long as it it, it evolves and, and you know uh, yeah and I guess I would say I'm gonna stay on the one and a half uh, stars train and say I'll give I'm gonna give half a star to Tim Curry and then I'll give uh, one half to to Magenta and one half Columbia for the very uh, cool normal activity of painting each other's toenails. Yes. yes. Yeah, Which does did. pass the Bechdel yes. test. Yes. Because uh, I think we're talking about this. Yes. <laughs> painting to like painting your friend's toes is a form of communication. It is. Yes. Yes. Would you get passes? Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, Joan, thank you so much thank for being so here. Give it up you. for Joan thank Ford. Thanks, the best. Where can people follow you? What would you like to plug? Tell us everything. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Joan Haley Ford. I have a, uh, if you're in LA, uh, uh, me and Kate uh, have a show coming up December 12th at the UCB Theater. It's our two-person sketch team, Red and Yellow. So please come, please come see that. 8.30, UCB. Kate, which, which theater is it? Sunset. 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 UCB Sunset. There you go. Yay. Yes, yes go see Joan. Uh, and uh, thank you to so, so much for coming. Thank you to the Ruby Theater. Thank you to Aristotle. Aristotle's here. Who's here Give tonight. it up for Aristotle. Thank you to the staff of the Ruby. And, yes. Uh, thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you for coming. Have a good thank night. Thank you, There you have it, our live Rocky Horror Picture Show show. Thanks again to everyone who came out. Thanks again to the Ruby for having us. Don't forget about our final live LA show at that location at the Ruby on November 9th. We're covering Home Alone. Don't miss it. Details for that and other live shows that we do in various locations can be found on places like Bechtelcast.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can follow us on those platforms at Bechtelcast. Also, don't forget to check out our Patreon, aka Matreon, at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. A subscription gets you two bonus episodes a month for only $5 per month. You can also visit our merch store at tpublic.com slash thebechtelcast for all of your merchandising needs, including some spooky designs like feminist icon Beetlejuice, Team Dry Scabs, Team Wet Scabs, and his wife. Other than that, just go and do the time warp again. Bye! Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.